Oh, what a blessed day to be in the house of the Lord on this resurrection morning. And uh, so excited to be able to be here. Uh, generally, I, uh, over the last 11 or 12 years, I can only wear my white jacket for one group to see me. But unfortunately, you've had to put up with this white jacket two years because I was here over a year. All right. I, it kind of reminds me, though, you know the jacket. Uh, I had David and Barbara Miller, who are missionaries at the time. They were doing a youth, uh, missions convention for us in one of our churches, and uh, they were there, and Bar- David was talking about the pastors over there. I think he was in Bolivia at the time. And the pastors that he was training, he said, I'd like for them to be able to have a nice suit to wear when they go out to preach and to be an evangelist. And so he preached me under conviction. I opened my closet and said, David, pick out four or five of those suits and pack them up and take them with you. And so he went through the closet. He began to look, and then he came across my white suit. I mean, it was white. And David said, I love this. I I won't give this to the missionaries. I want to wear this. And he did for a number of years. And so uh, I've always thought about that. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful time. The sanctuary is beautiful. It's wonderful to see a white cloth and to see the beautiful flowers. They all represent the risen Christ. They always represent that. And so we're glad that uh, you're all here. Uh, this uh, It reminds me when I looked at this crown of thorns that's here on the communion table of a story that I read about a pastor who who uh, who did a lot of running. And he was out running one day and and uh, he happened to notice a bush, uh, a thorn bush at the time that was, it was uh, all tangled and twisted around and it looked like this crown of thorns. And so he decided he would cut it loose and took it back to the church. And he laid it on the communion table on, on uh, Good Friday representing, he thought it would be ideal to represent the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And he left it on the table and so... Uh, after the service, everybody went home and nobody was back at the church on Saturday. And he was getting ready to go to the Easter service on Sunday morning and he realized that he had forgot that he had left that on the communion table and thought that's not a good thing. I mean, he is not on the cross. He has been buried and he has raised. But when he walked in to pick it up off the communion table... He didn't realize, but that was a thorn bush, was a rose bush. And it had, because of the heat in the building, it began to bloom. And so I begin to think, you know, that will preach. Because, you see, what happens is the cross of Calvary became the roses of the resurrection. And we are here today because He's alive. He's a well. And He's among us. And so when I begin to think about this gospel story this morning about the resurrection. There are so many ways that people can preach it and talk about it. But I like surprises like that. I like surprises. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of enjoy a surprise once in a while. And if, if you had to choose one word to characterize the reaction of Jesus' resurrection to those who came to that tomb that morning, was a surprise. Surprise! He is not here! He is risen! And so when I begin to think about his, Him raising from the dead and these people being wondering about it, it reminds me of the pastor whose five-year-old boy was riding in a car with him as he drove past the cemetery taking him to school. 
And as he was driving by the cemetery, that as little five-year-olds usually think differently than most people, he happened to look over at the cemetery, and there they had just dug a fresh new grave, and the dirt was piled high. And he said, Dad, look, look, look! One got out. One got out. Well, you know what? One did get out. And you know, that's what I want to talk about. The one that got out. Because you see, it's important for us to know that He has he has risen. And I think about that every time I hear that story. Every time I drive by a cemetery, I think about the one that got out. The one that made all the difference in our lives today. I want you to try to see this morning, uh, as we look at the Bible passage that we're going to be sharing from Luke chapter 24, the first 12 verses there. But in this passage, I want you to look at these through the eyes of these women as they were visiting that tomb that morning. Imagine their surprise as they discovered that Jesus got out. That He wasn't in the tomb. Why were these women there so early in the morning? Some people ask that question. Well, you see, because these women were Jewish women and, and their, their, their idea of a death is that the body needs to be prepared. And it takes several hours for that to happen. And so with Jesus being crucified and taken down late on Friday, it was hard for them to get the job done. And so they loved Him and they wanted to do what was right. And so from the time of the Passover, they could not do that from one time, from, from Friday night until Saturday night. And so early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, it was on their mind. They were going there to take care and to prepare that body as they would for one that they loved so much. And when they got there with the spices to do that, as they entered the tomb, that's where the Scripture begins to pick up. And notice what it says in chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered it, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about what this had happened, suddenly two men clothed in gleaming light, lightning stood between them. And there the fear of the women bowed down their faces to the ground. And what these men said unto them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you that while He was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered His words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all the things to the eleven and others of what they had heard and what they had saw. They had just witnessed the most important moment in all of history. They have just witnessed the most important, my friend, time in history, and they were determined to share it. They were determined to say to them men that were there, I want you to know that we've been to the tomb and His body is gone. The wrappings are there. He's not there. He's alive. Well, you would have thought the eleven would have been excited about that. But probably about the way men do with women when women give advice. They kind of ignored it. They were not impressed with it. And so they begin to think these women are just kind of fickle a little bit. They, they, they just, they just not really understanding. And so when they begin to think about that, I thought about the how that these, these women were so excited about the resurrection. 
And so I want to consider a few moments of some of the surprising elements of Easter. The first surprise that I see in this Scripture is about the resurrection marks the moment when life overcame death. Life had overcome death. And that's the primary reason most of us are here today. That's the reason why that we're here. That's why we assemble here now. Kind of reminds me of the, of the husband that had, and the wife that had their first child. And, and through childbirth, the mother of this little boy had died. He never knew his mother. But his father never remarried either because she was the love of his life. And so she, he hired a black lady by the name of Mandy. He, invite, he, he invited her to come to the home to help raise this little boy. And as she would raise him, as she would take care of him and bathe him and fix his clothes and fix his meal and take care of him all of his life, the young man said, I can remember Mandy would come up to my bedroom every night and tuck me in. And there she would come up in the morning and she would waken me with a real soft voice and she would simply say, Wake up, young man. Wake up, my son. God's morning has come. He said every morning she would wake him that way. He grew up and he went off to school and college and when he would come home on break, she would still be at the house and she would still taking care of him. Even as he grew up and she said, even after I came back from college and she would hear her coming up the stairs and early in the morning, she would waken me and say, good morning son, God's morning has come. He said, you know, I never forgot that. He said he went off and became a great businessman. He never forgot Mandy. And one day Mandy got old and died. And the family contacted him and said, Would you like to come and have a few words at Mandy's funeral? He said, Well, certainly I would. She had been so great to me. Because of all of this, he said, he came to the graveside and there with all of her friends and, and as she died, he said, if, 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 I want you to know that if I die before Jesus comes, if I die before Jesus comes, I want to be buried right here beside Mandy. And there's a reason for that, he says, because I'd like to think on the resurrection day, she will speak to me again and say, wake up, my boy. God's morning has come. I want to tell you something. There's something special about the resurrection. Those of you that have gone through difficulties and lost loved ones and have had to walk away from those gravesides, I want you to know that there's coming a day when Jesus will not only has He come from the grave and come from the tomb, but He's coming again. He's going to raise us up and all of our relatives as well that know Jesus Christ. And so when I begin to think about this, you see, I thought about this... This life overcoming death. That's what it's all about. You see, all of us are going to face that someday. I thought about the professional golfer who wrote the testimony, a great Christian guy, Paul Anzinger. Some of you probably watched him if you've been a golfer. He was in the PGA and, and then he was a great golfer, but he got news from a doctor that he had body had attended cancer. And so he, when he said, when the news came, he said he began to think about, I'm going to die. He said, I'm I'm going to die. I've got cancer. My family's had cancer. And they've all, none of them has wiped it out. None of them has been beyond it. I'm going to die. And then he thought again, he said, well, you know what? I'm going to die whether I have cancer or not. 
I'm, I'm going to die no matter what. And he began to think about, about how that he was going to die. And he said, you know, I thought about it. Cancer is one thing. But, but he said, it's hard for me to realize that, that, that many of us live in the day and age. We don't think about dying until we have a heart attack or until we have cancer or we have something that comes into our body. But i got news for you. Everybody here this morning that's alive, you're going to die. It's what you do with what you have here that makes a difference on how you die and what will happen afterwards. And so as he began to tell his story, he said, I'm definitely going to die. It's just a question of not knowing when. And suddenly, everything he had accomplished in golf, everything he had done that got him to, the, to that great golf tournament, I want to tell you something. He said it was all wiped aside. He began to remember something about one of his friends, Larry Mooney, who was a Christian who had led him to Christ. And Larry began to tell him, he said, Zig, he said, we're not all, we're not living in the land of the living going to the dying. We're living in the land of the dying going to the living. And he said, I begin to have a different perspective. I want to tell you something. We're not living in a land today of the dying. I mean, of the living. We're living in the land of the dying. Everybody on this land is going to die. We're going to the land of the living. And he said, once I got that concept, it made all the difference in the world about how I would handle cancer. He said, I want you to know that he said, listen, he said, as, as I begin to think about this, that's what Easter is all about. Listen to the angel's words. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. We're not in the land of, of, of the living. My friend, we're in the land of the dying. We're going to die. But we're going to be resurrected if we know Jesus Christ. I want you to know that Paul said, as I went on through this, he said, I knew that the Bible taught me that God would never put more on me than I was able to bear. He told me that He would be with me whether I was well or whether I was sick. He said, you know what? I believe that God is going to take care of me. And he said, He'll help me deal with anything. He promised to offer me contentment regardless of what life brings me, even if it brings cancer. I want to tell you something. When you can have that kind of assurance, there's something special. The resurrection marks the difference between life and death. There's a second thing it marks. The moment, it's a moment when hope overcomes grief. Hope overcomes grief. The power of death, loss, grief can destroy a person. I've known people that has had the, the power of death that has literally through grief, people that would never leave their house again, People that would never go certain places again because the grief that was in their hearts and their lives. You see, death has a way of bringing uh, grief and loss and, and, and destroys a person. It can make you lose all your hope. I thought about it, you know, as, as we have this from time to time. It even happens with preachers. I remember telling the story, hearing the story of Pastor Stephen Brown telling about the loss of his brother Ron. Ron was a wonderful Christian man, 42 years old. Healthy, well, a great father, a great Christian man. And he went home one evening and sat in his chair and had a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and died. He said, it broke my heart. I never got a chance to say goodbye to my brother. I never had a chance to talk to him. I never had a chance. And here he was gone at this young age. And he said, I begin, it just worked on me. I just couldn't get Steve, Steve said, I couldn't get Ron out of my mind. I, I just wanted to just say to him one time how much I loved him and how much I appreciated his influence with his family. 
But he said one day, he said it got so heavy. It was in the winter. His, he had died and been buried and it had been about a month and he thought, I, I can't get rid of this. Maybe I need to go talk to Ron. So he made his way over to the cemetery. He said, I parked my car. It was after hours, after I'd finished work. And he said, I was walking through the cemetery and it began to rain. And he says, as I walked through that cemetery, there was mud and there was water. And I began to look. And he said, you know, where they buried my brother, I thought I knew where it was at. You've been there in those cemeteries when every stone looks alike? He said, I walked and I walked and I walked. It was probably two hours. And I just could not find Ron's grave. And he said, finally I got to the point that I cried out and said, God, this is the worst day of my life. I've not only lost my younger brother that I love, but now I can't even find his grave. And he said, just in those moments, it was like a person stood beside him. And a voice came to him and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He said, I remembered it was the exact words that the angels told the women that day. The exact same words. And he said, I begin to think about it. Why am I looking for Ron in a cemetery when I know that he knows Jesus and he's alive? He said, I never went back to the cemetery again. Why? Because you see, when we know, when we know that there's life beyond this life, when we know, my friend, that we can have hope that grief cannot destroy, and he said, I have hope to believe that one day I'm going to see my brother. I'm not going to see where he was laid. I'm not going to see that mud trap. It gave me the assurance that there was a victory over that six-foot hole that I wouldn't have to worry about any longer. You see, hope, hope doesn't have to be destroyed because of grief. Well, let me just say there's even more. Death can destroy our hope of those that, that can't destroy the hope of those that believe in Jesus Christ's resurrection. For it marks the moment when our hope overcomes grief. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood righteousness. You see, we sing the songs, but that we believe it in our hearts. There's another thing that I find in the resurrection. The resurrection marks the moment when, when you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. You will, you will leave here today from this Easter service like those women that came to that grave. You can leave here today knowing and believing that that cross is empty and the tomb is empty and our Lord and Savior is alive. He's risen as He said. You will go out of here telling people that you meet in the restaurant and you meet this coming week. We were in Easter service and you know what? I know that God is alive. I know He's real. I know He's living in my heart. Or you will go out of this service like one of the disciples. You remember the story how that when they came back and they begin to share? You remember how that, that moment when they came and, and you know, they wanted to tell all this, but Peter, Peter was sitting there. And Peter heard this, and he thought these women are ridiculous. There's no way. This man was crucified. He was taken from that cross. He was put in that grave. There were soldiers that guarded him. There was no way that he come out of that grave. And so he said, I'm going to go check it out. So what happened? The Bible says, Peter run to the tomb. He walked inside and he saw the grave clothes that was laid around. And he came out. And he went away. Notice. He went away wondering. 
You see, he didn't have the true faith that these women did. There's a lot of people that wonder what happens after death. There's a lot of people that wonder where their loved ones are. There's a lot of people wonder, where am I going to be when I die? I want to tell you something, my friend. Because of the resurrection, I don't wonder. I know. I know because He lives within my heart. I know that he, what He can do. What's the response to such a dramatic thing? The resurrection demands a great response. You see, our belief system in this world... You know what I thought about this? You know, of all the founders, of all the religions of the world, think about this. As you think about it, of all the belief systems on earth teaches about their founders, their prophets, their gods, none of them, none of them can tell you that their founder, their god, their, their system, that their leader has ever died and come back. But the Christian can. You see, that's what Christianity is all about. The foundation of the Christian faith, my friend, of the Christian church, of the church that we're in today, without the resurrection, we have nothing more than a nice philosophy. We have a nice idea of what would be good, but let me tell you something, we know what Jesus can do. So if the resurrection, according to some people, is a lie, then the Christian faith is a lie. If the resurrection is a lie, then death is the end of the story. And there's nothing beyond that. If the resurrection's a lie, millions of Christian churches across this land today that has been packed with people needs to close their doors and send the people home because what do we come to worship? You see, if it's a lie, if he's not alive, if the resurrection, my friends, a lie, then all the hospitals and orphanages and homeless shelters and mission stations, my friends, should close their doors because they have nothing to offer. But I got news for you this morning. He is alive. He is alive, as He said. He is alive. It's real. It's true. It's the most important thing that humanity has ever heard is that Jesus Christ is alive. I thought about how true it is. You know, you ever see something that you, you wondered about all of your life? A young lady gives a testimony of how that when her parents got older and, and they needed to be taken care of, she, she moved in with them and she began to take with them. And you know what? Every day, these older folks, you know, they had to have tea in the morning and tea in the afternoon and tea in the evening. And every time she went to the cupboard and pulled out the can with the tea bags in it, on the top of that can, I don't know where they got it, but it said, the Rock of Gibraltar. And that woman saw that year after year she would go and make that tea three times a day. For years she did it. Finally, when her family passed away, her family had left, she finally had the opportunity to be freed up to do some things. She decided to take a ship and take a trip that would take her over into Egypt. And as she was going through, as they were traveling along, she said it was an early morning and the sun was bright. And she said she woke up and she looked out the porthole. And as she looked out the porthole, there it was. There it was, the rock of Gibraltar. She said, I begin to feel inside. It's real. It's actually there. There is a rock of Gibraltar. She had saw it. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ's grave is empty today. It's real. I saw it. <laughs> I was there. I saw it. I'm telling you, it's empty. And He is alive. And He's alive today and going to continue to live among us. You know, as we do, well, well, we, we feel today that, that, that the dead Christ is risen. And you know what? I believe that that's what gives us the promise. 
You know, we, we know that uh, Dean Edwards uh, has gone on and, and, you know, we're going to celebrate his life. We're going to, we're going to celebrate. But I want to tell you something. I want you to know that Dean is not dead. Dean is alive. Dean is in the presence of the Lord because he accepted the Lord. He loved the Lord. And I'll tell you what. I tell you what, Mary. There's nobody that will ever face Jesus that will say, God, I love you more than Dean will. <laughs> I mean, everywhere we, every time we walked in the house, he would throw them arms out and say, I love you. And you know what, Mary? He'd say, Mom, I love you. I want to tell you something. He's going to, re- he, he's going to make Jesus know that he had somebody that he loved and that he cared about. And more importantly, he loves Jesus. Let me tell you something. The resurrection is real today. You know, there was a, I'll close in a minute, but, but you know, there, there was a sermon that was preached about a hundred years ago. A guy by the name of DeWitt Talmage. Talmage was an old time preacher and he tried to express what the resurrection was all about. And he was trying to tell people how they would know about the resurrection. And a hundred years ago, you know, it was when they, they began to discover some things and begin to make some newfangled things. And he said, you know, it's kind of like that that newfangled thing, that thing called the phonograph. He said, you know, they take that phonograph and, and they take people's words and they take what they say and they put it on this thing and he says, after they're gone and they're dead and they've been gone for a year, years and years, he said, you can still put this phonograph on and you can hear the voice of that person that has been gone, that has died and been buried and has been gone for years. He said, now I want to tell you something. If man can make a phonograph that can give you the words of a man that's been dead for years, you think our God cannot give the voice and the lips and the eyes and the bones and the life back into a body? If man can make a phonograph, what makes you think God can't give us a resurrected body? How true it is. You see, because our God is ultimate. He's, he's, he's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He made us in the beginning and He can make us a second time over. You see, the problem is, is that we sometimes doubt and don't believe. I'm going to tell you something. God can do it without half trying. He can return the voice, my friend, that has departed from your loved one. He can, he can bring back. You know, I hear people say every once in a while, Preacher, is it possible? I don't know. I just know that God can do anything He wants to do. But I've had people say to me, I, I, I literally heard my, my husband or my wife, I, I heard my child say something, and am I crazy or what? No. I think that if you've been tuned into that person, and God knows that you need a help, and you need encouragement, he'll, He's able to do anything. He's capable to bring that voice to you. To give you the assurance that everything's okay. I want to tell you something. Jesus knows if man can do the phonograph, God can do the resurrection. And God can and God did. He raised Jesus from the grave. And God will raise those who love Him and serve Him from the grave someday. There's going to be a day of shouting. There's going to be a day, my friend, when we come. It won't be just a normal Easter service. I want to tell you something. It'll be the most exciting thing that's ever happened when every grave and, and the world burst open and all of those that are dead in Christ come out. Meet the Lord in the air. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. I, 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 I don't, I, I'd really like to, I'd really like to live long enough to see that happen. 
You know what? I really would. I, because I know what the Bible teaches. I know what it says. I know what it can do. And so today, I want you to know, if you're doubting, if you're beside that grave doubting, my friend, let this be the day that you believe solely and wholly in what Jesus said. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. And we're going to sing a song this morning that talks about that. We're going to sing a song, I live, I live because He is risen. I live, I live with power over sin. I live, I live because He is risen. Because He's alive. Because He's alive. I am alive and I live. I want to tell you something. He, he knows this morning that you that are sitting here need to know what, what, what I'm talking about. You need to know that this morning that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's real. And He's here today and will talk to you and speak to you and draw you to Him. He's reaching out to you today saying, All that will come unto Me, I will give unto them life. Today you can have that resurrected life right here as we accept it. Let's stand together. Father, this morning as we prepare to sing, Lord, we thank You for this resurrection day. We thank You for this day, Lord, that, that we come into this sanctuary believing and knowing that, God, what You've done in our lives, You can do in the lives of others. Father, we pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl that sits in this building today. Lord, that has doubts. We pray, Lord, that You would give them that assurance today. Help them to know, Lord, that they can come and know You as a real Savior and Lord of their lives when they confess their sins to You. And that, Lord, not only will you live with us through this life, but, Lord, you'll carry us on into eternity. And one day we'll spend our entire, entire eternity with you. Father, speak to hearts and lives as we sing this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's sing.